Well, hello, Dolly. No? Okay. It's Schmanners. wife host Teresa McElroy and you're listening to Schmanner it's extraordinary etiquette for ordinary occasions hello my dove hello dear welcome to my office uh, yeah wow this usually we record in the living room but now here in our new setup in our new house podcast we... professionals indeed ooh ooh la la <laughs> I didn't realize we were so continental <laughs> hello everybody welcome to the new professional service <laughs> Well, like I said, we normally record, well, you said, we normally record in the living room and here we are in your office all like, you know, surrounded by electronics and With stuff. nicer microphones and everything too. Soup, soup's nice. You know what? I'm just going to say, all joking aside, when I want everybody to pin this moment in their head, because when we get to, um, when we get to the Max Fun Drive, which will be coming up in probably about six months, um, and we talk about, you know, using donations to better our setup and better our equipment and all of that stuff this is the kind of thing we're talking about so if we sound a little bit better um if we're you know seeming a little bit more professional it is all thanks to you all um, right hey so why did you choose dolly madison last week um i chose dolly madison because there is a drunk history episode uh with uh casey wilson playing uh dolly madison mm-hmm and I remembered that she did a thing where she saved a bunch of art when the British burned the White House. Okay, well, sort of, sort of. I mean, let's all take that uh, program with a grain of salt. Well, yeah, they it's are called intoxic- drunk history. <laughs> They're inebriated. Um, okay, so Dolly Madison was born in 1768. Mm-hmm. A while um, ago. A while ago. Spoiler. So she's- She's dead. Dead. Okay. She died in 1849, which is a quite a long life. Uh, 81 years. Is that what that is? Yeah. I don't know. Um, and she was the first lady, so the wife of President James Madison, who was in office from 1809 to 1817. And we might get to this later, but was she the first first lady? Was she the first person to be called the first lady? Or is that made up by drunk history? Um, the title isn't something that, so here's the thing. Okay. There were other wives of presidents before, right? Before her. Mm -hmm. Um, but she was the one who I, I'm not going to say that they called her the first lady for the first time. But she is the person who made the office of First Lady what it is. Okay. Well. Does that make sense? Yes. Let's start at the very beginning. Very good place to start. Tell me about her younger years. Um, well, so she was raised a Quaker. So she was married before to somebody else before she married James Madison. Mm-hmm. She had two kids with him, um, but... 
her first husband and one of her children died of yellow fever. Oh. Yeah. Um, so she did have one child, a son, that she took with her to her second marriage. Um, and uh, she never had any children with James. So just the one son from the first marriage. And he turned out to be kind of a big disappointment. Aww. He had a lot of gambling debts. Oh, yeah. no. And ended up at the end of her life, uh, she had to sell the plantation in Montpelier. Mm-hmm. Um uh, to pay his gambling debts. So she had to sell the house and the plantation and all the slaves and everything. Oh, now she had slaves? She had slaves. Yeah. You know, it is... This time period, as far as slave ownership goes, is kind of rough because a lot of the people that are, you know, famous founding fathers stuff from this time period were rich people. Mm -hmm. They just were. Um, and so they had slaves. A lot of them did. Um, several people that she knew of, and including her her father, um, who were Quakers, did free their slaves. Um, but it was a product of the time, you know. You know, I I think it's important that while we talk about these people, we also do acknowledge, like, yeah, but also there's this other side of this story where we talk about these people as heroes, but also yeah. very problematic stuff. Um, And I say, I always feel like I'm being a little bit diminishing there to say like problematic. They owned people. It's not it's just, it's not, not just good. problematic. It's not like, well, you used a term that's kind of, no, they did pretty heinous stuff. Right. So that was rough. Um, But let's go back to her life. So after she was widowed, um, she was in Philadelphia and she was living at a boarding house near the home of James Madison. Were there sparks? Oh, well. um, Long distance eye contact. Ooh, la la. Who's that lady? Ooh, who's that lady? It is reported that she did catch his eye, and they were introduced by Aaron Burr. Get out. Totes. It's all connected. I, I mean, you know, they, they were all just around. There were only 20 people in America at that point. <laughs> um, it probably at first wasn't a great love match, um, but she was a widow, and she had a kid, unlike any kind of interest, any port in a storm, I think, at yeah, this at point. Yeah, that, at that point in time, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they were married in 1794. And remember how I said she was a Quaker? Yeah. This is another thing. She was expelled because she married James. Why? Because he was Episcopalian. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. So this is the point where Dolly Madison really starts to blossom into the reason why we're talking about her today. James Madison was appointed to Secretary of State in Mm -hmm. 1801 under Thomas Jefferson. Um, And this is where she really became like political wife, public servant. You know, political wife slash public servant. Gotcha. Um, Because Thomas Jefferson was a widower at this point. His wife had died. And so she was de facto hostess. Oh, okay. Um, 
every single party, every reception, all that kind of stuff, uh, especially with dealing with foreign dignitaries, you know, because he was James Madison was Secretary of State. Um, she had a lot to do with kind of building those bridges in Washington, or I guess in Philadelphia at this point. Um, and so, like, she really took under the responsibility of leading not only parties and, you know, social gatherings, but also fundraising efforts. That's another thing that is really part of the First Lady's office today is a lot of the fundraising efforts and charity backing and things like that. Um, so she raised a lot of money for Lewis and Clark's exploration. Oh, cool. At that time. Um, and then throughout this time, you know, she had been meeting foreign dignitaries and, you know, becoming part of the political scene. Um, and so she was highly involved in James Madison's public opinion, public affairs, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was seen to publicly support him when he uh, ran for office in 1808. I was going to say, I, I think that maybe we kind of take it for granted now, but I bet that that was really like a powerhouse political thing because it reminds me of this one time um in college we had this casting director come talk to one of our acting classes and the casting director said your audition is important but what's going to get you the job is if they want to hang out with you on set and hang out with you at the after party Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so it is important that you do a good job but if you go in there and you're rude or you're cold or you seem distant or you seem hard to work with you're not going to get the job and it seems to me like this is a great example of like no matter how talented you are politically i bet that there was something to people looking at you and being like but they're also great to have around also, that Dolly Madison sure is fun. She sure is a great hostess. And, you know, no matter what his views are, they're going to have great parties, like that kind of thing. Absolutely. Probably and really she, helped. she is credited with hosting the first presidential inaugural ball. Oh, really? Right. A thing we all do now. Yep, we totally well, not do we, that now. Not we all do. I've never been to a presidential inaugural ball yet. Give me time. <laughs> Maybe it'll be my own. McElroy, 2024. See you there. Um, they have some of her clothing and they actually, they actually have the dress that she wore to this inaugural ball. Man, it is pretty. Um, it is in the time period. It's an empire waist gown, uh, with a small train. Um, it is pale yellow with embroidered, with yellow embroidered, like flower things, little flourishes, um, and it's it's lovely. She was also known uh, to wear turbans. So she had a kind of like head wrap thing going on, uh, probably with loose curls kind of around. Um, and she would wear um, peacock plumes in her turban. Hmm. It's kind of one of her like the dresses she was famous for. She almost always wore that. Interesting. I mean, not great as far as the appropriation goes, but I bet a very stunning look. All right, well, let so that's that's her inaugural ball. Not her inaugural. Yes, it was her inaugural ball <laughs> in many ways. Um, and before we keep talking about her, we have a thank you note. This week, Shanners is sponsored by Tracker. Eight years ago. 
Tracker released their first tracking device. And now they've done it again with new Tracker Pixel. Listen, if you're like me, listen, uh, listen folks, hey, let's get real. <laughs> let's get real. I set things down. <laughs> I set things down. Where they don't belong. Yes, it's... It's, and now we have like a whole house to lose stuff in. Yeah, it's a thing that I, <laughs> I actively work on, but it, like mindlessness, like I'll set a thing. That I remember working at the theater. I used to have to, I would be so busy. I'd be in the middle of doing something and I would have to like say out loud, I am putting my keys down on this table or else I would completely forget them. And so if you're like me and you set things down on the counters of restaurants and leave them because you forgot you set them down, <laughs> or if you put your keys down at your friend's house and then walk right out the door, whatever, you're going to want to look into Tracker. Tracker Pixel is the lightest Bluetooth tracking device on the market, and it's great for tracking whatever you lose, keys, wallet, whatever, and it's small enough to fit anywhere. So basically, when you misplace an item that has Tracker Pixel attached, Use your smartphone, and a 90-decibel alert will help you find it in seconds. That would be hard to miss, the 90 decibels. Yeah, it's a thing. Listen, if you didn't know you need this, I promise you you need to. You know that moment where it's like, I'm going to wait to the last second to walk out the door to get to that meeting or get to my appointment or whatever. And then you go to do that, and you realize you have no idea where your wallet is. The panic uh, that sets in. So I, it, it it's awful. Yeah. I mean it. Now imagine if you could just press a button on your smartphone to know exactly where your wallet is. Right. Or hear hear the alert is right? really like is to go and find it. Yeah. Which I actually think is better than just having something like a blip on a screen because that way you can actually like pinpoint where it is instead it's of like, having to throw stuff around. It's like the the hot and cold game. Yes, it's a lot like the hot, except better and more technologically advanced. <laughs> um, and when you add to that Tracker's 30-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose for trying it out. So right now, go to the Tracker. That's the Tracker. T R. Well, let's start at the beginning. T H E T R A C K R dot com slash schmanners, and you get 20% off any order. That's the Tracker dot com. T H E. T-R-A-C-K-R, no E in there, dot com slash schmanners for 20% off. TheTracker.com slash schmanners. How's it going, everyone? I'm Oliver Wang. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. We have a brand new show on the Maximum Fun Network that we'd love to share with you. It's called Heat Rocks. Morgan, we should probably explain what a heat rock is. It is a banger, a fire track, true fire. Right. Dope album. Each episode, we will bring on a special guest to join us to talk about one of their heat rocks. It might be a musician. A writer. Maybe a scholar. I mean, I would have been happy to just talk to you about your heat rocks, but this is a different show. Yeah. I think people might enjoy hearing maybe the guests instead. To do that, you'll have to go to MaximumFun.org. So if you want to talk about hot music, you should check us out. Heat rocks. Every week on Inside Pop, we take turns recommending something great from the world of pop culture to each other. And in the month of October, we're going big, very big, with the Big Sell 30. Every day for 30 days, we're going to suggest some type of pop culture to check out. Things that may not be on your radar, but will be well worth trying. From TV to music to movies and more, The Big Cell 30 is as irresistible as a Jedi mind trick. As convincing as an Annalise Keating closing argument. And as seductive as Miguel singing a ballad shirtless and slightly sweaty. 
Follow us on Twitter at Pop Insiders for daily big sales and listen to Inside Pop every week for big sales from some special guests. The Big Sell 30 starts October 1st and runs every day of the month on Inside Pop. Okay, so I think James Madison had just been inaugurated. Yes, so the inaugural ball uh, is like the first big, big, big party that she threw, but she also threw almost weekly parties um, in the Oval Room, not the Oval Office. Oh, I see. The Oval Room, which It is... hadn't been upgraded yet. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a different room, which oh. is now, I think- Wait, there were two Oval Rooms involved in the White House. I mean, take a look at that, that the, uh, the shape of the building. There's got to be more than one. Oh, my gosh. So many ovular rooms. So much ovulation throughout the White House. <laughs> I think it's called the Blue Room now. I think we can see it have a little bit more ovulation in the White House. Am I right? Let's not get political. Okay. Okay. So, um, and they were actually called, they had a name for these parties. They were called squeezes. Get out. Because Why? Every, <laughs> because it was so important that you came that everybody wanted to squeeze in. So you could hypothetically... In like one weekend, have a mixer and a squeezer. I suppose so. <gasps> That's such a good combo. Oh my god! Can we please bring back the term squeezes for parties, please? Sure. Is, do people still have squeezes? I don't. Yes, they do. They have parties. I guess I don't know. But they don't call them squeezes. No, probably okay. not. Okay. So, um, is it? I don't know much about Quakers, but the little bit I know about Quakers, is it unique? That she was so good at partying, or was it like, no, you're thinking of the Amish, Travis? And I think you're thinking of the Amish. Okay, cool. Um, and that's not to say that the Amish can't have parties. No, but I, the thing that was that was so wonderful about Dolly, not only that was she was a great hostess, she had a kind of effervescent warmth about her that made people really kind of enjoy themselves. I think um, she's credited with bringing together okay we talk a lot about in politics you talk about behind closed doors right where basically that just means anywhere that isn't a policy session Mm -hmm. right so these parties these squeezes are where a lot of these deals and compromises and things got made you know so she brought people together, and I'm not going to say from both sides of the aisle because that that's not really what the political climate was like at that point. Um, did they have a two-party system yet? I'm not sure. I mean, according to Hamilton, they did. Um, so this is this is really where people kind of relaxed and were able to get the the nuances of their their policies well that makes out. sense because i think there's something about if you are in an official setting where people are like taking down the minutes and writing down everything you say your guard is probably up and when you're standing there with like a cocktail in your hand and a tiny sandwich in the other you're probably a lot more open to actually like hey we seem like we want the same thing out of this you seem like a good person i seem like a cool person let's get this done right so I want to you know, go schmoozing. Schmoozing. I want to go back to that episode of Drunk History. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big thing that was depicted in that episode is her saving the portrait yeah, of the George War, Washington. The War of 1812. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, um, Brain. Good job. Yeah. Thanks, so Travis. During the War of 1812, 
Um, the The White House was under attack. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't called the White House then. It was just called the House. The presidential residence. The residence was under attack by the British, um, and the legend goes that she had to leave, but she would not leave until she saved several things. Including the Declaration of Independence and a big portrait of George Washington. Right. She she probably didn't single-handedly save these things. Um, one of the stories I read goes that she... That, uh, she ordered um, James's uh, valet Jennings, um, also a slave. He owned him. Mm. Let's be clear. And um, one of the cooks, who I believe was a Frenchman in this story, ordered them to remove the portrait. They couldn't get the portrait down because it was nailed to the wall. So they broke the frame and pulled the picture out, the canvas, Um and at some point, somebody tried to roll it up to make it easier to carry. And somebody else was like, don't do that. It'll ruin the paint. So they carried it unfurled. What through- are you, a dummy? <laughs> That's not how paints work. Um, I also heard, I think I remember from that episode that she had like had a whole dinner laid out. And then when the British, uh, when they finally fled and the British broke into the White House. They sat down and ate the dinner before burning down the house. Is that true? Or is that apocryphal? I couldn't find anything specifically about that. Okay. Might be apocryphal. Um, so like, you know, like so many legends, the quote, Dolly Madison saves the portrait, probably has a lot more to do with she just told people to grab stuff before they left. Yeah, I mean that's what I pictured. I don't think I yeah. I don't think I ever pictured it of her like running around and like running out with an armful of important documents. But I think there is something to be said about knowing this is coming and her not just be like, bye and like running out. There are house. paintings of her holding papers and and running I mean she's lifting up her skirts. She's got papers uplifted. She's walking or I, I mean probably running through a house with a, a a man standing at an open door kind of gesturing her through. So there there probably is <laughs> there There's was versions of it some version where she single-handedly saved everything so she probably saved some other stuff too not just papers uh it's reported that she saved some velvet curtains that mm-hmm. may or may not have later been turned into a dress for her okay jury's still out at the smithsonian they have the dress but they don't know if the dress is made out of the curtains okay okay anyway um but she didn't just redecorate the residence. Wait, so just to nail down to the nugget of that, what she didn't single-handedly save all this stuff, but we can agree that she did organize a, hey, we need to collect some stuff before we go. Yes. This is important America stuff. Yes. Well, I should say United States of America stuff, and we need to get this out before they destroy it. Right. Okay. Um, She was responsible... Well, not responsible. She was a heavy hand in later lobbying to keep the capital in D.C. rather than move it back to Philadelphia. Yeah, so this is a thing uh, maybe people have picked up from Hamilton, but it wasn't always 
completely clear where America's capital is going to be. Some people want to uh, keep it in Philadelphia. Some people want New York City. Um, but like no state could really say nobody wanted to give the state a single state the capital of the United States of America, right. which is why Washington D.C. exists. But after the White House was burned and D.C. was invaded by the British, everybody was like. Wouldn't it be cool if we just moved it then back to Philadelphia? Wouldn't that be cool? But she was, you know, like I said, she was kind of a heavy hand in trying to and keeping it in Washington, D.C. Through partying, right? That's what drunk through- history is convincing. <laughs> yes, through partying. Um. So, like I said, she redecorated the residence. But I'm I'm a fan of I read one article saying she didn't just redecorate. She restructured the way that the that the residence was made. She uh made sure that in the private areas it was a lot more plain, um a lot, you know, more utilitarian, and then in the public areas is where she really wanted to show kind of how serious the United States was at this point, you know, how serious they wanted to be taken. So I mentioned those curtains, Mm -hmm. those red velvet curtains are pretty iconic. Um, They were part of the, you know, just the scene that she wanted to set of this kind of, I don't want to say opulence, but they, a lot of foreign dignitaries thought that, the United States was kind of just wild at this point. And they wanted, she wanted to show that there was charm, there was sophistication, there was elegance. Um, so these, the larger rooms, the larger public rooms, she decorated and structured to show that, to really kind of put kind of, you know, like a visual influence mm. on people. That's interesting. I, you know, I've never really thought about, no joke, until this moment, the White House as, like, the Buckingham Palace of America. Of, like, this is our castle. This is Kinda, our... yeah. Yeah, so, like, it's it's both a house and a representation of the country of, like, when people come there, it it is what tells them what kind of country this is. Just from, you know, because I bet there are lots of foreign dignitaries that come and it's either the first place they go or the only place they go Mm -hmm. and it's what gives them the impression of the united states of america okay so that's a bunch of her stuff from the time when uh james was in office Mm -hmm. her life doesn't end there okay obviously um, once James left office, they moved back to Montpelier. Vermont? No. Virginia, right? Okay. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Yes. Yes, Virginia. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. You were right. Okay. So, they moved back to Virginia. Um, we are, like I said earlier, their son or her son. Uh, I do want to say there is a Montpelier, Vermont. Yes, I agree. Okay. I just want <laughs> everyone at home to know. Okay. 
Um, oh, I see. Montpelier was the name of his estate. Montpelier in, I'm looking here on Wikipedia, Orange, Virginia. Okay. Okay. Was the name the name of the plantation was Montpelier? Got it. With our powers combined, yeah, we did it. We're able to Google <laughs> <laughs> between the two of us. We can work a keyboard. Okay. Um, and they placed her son as kind of like the overseer. Mm-hmm. Not that that wasn't his official title, although that is a title that a person on a plantation has. Um, but he was kind of in charge of the whole thing. So he's like a manager. Like a manager. Um, Mr. Manager. And uh, he did not did not do such a Didn't good... do great. You know, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, because earlier in this episode, you said her son was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. Um, did not do such a good job. And so after James died... Uh, like I said, she was left kind of in the lurch. Um, she had to sell, like I said, her plantation and everything with it, uh, to pay a lot of his debts and stuff. Including the people? Including the people. Oh, no. Yeah. It's hard. Um, it's a part of our history that is not good. In fact, bad. It's very abhorrent, I would say. Including the people. Um, she did, however, receive from Congress some money for a lot of his writings, mm-hmm. James's writings. So, you know, after, after he died, she put together a lot of his works and, uh, Congress bought them for, I, not a small sum, somewhere between, I think I've read anywhere between 22000 and and $50,000, mm-hmm. which was a lot of money in those days, I believe. Um... And she was also given an honorary seat in Congress, so on the floor. So she could sit on the floor and watch the debates. Oh. She couldn't participate, but... But still. She was given an honorary seat. How interesting. I didn't know that that was the thing that they did for people. I I wonder if they still do that now. Can I have an honorary seat? I don't know. I want a lazy boy recliner. (laughs) I think you have to do something pretty important and cool. I'm pretty great. I made it my brother, my brother and me TV show. I made a podcast (laughs) about Dungeons and Dragons. What more do these people want from me? How about some political prowess? Uh, well, uh, I don't know. Some other firsts. She was the first private citizen to transmit a message via telegraph. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was that honor was given to her by its inventor. Inventor Samuel F. B. Morse. I've heard of him. Yes, um, she was chronologically the first first lady to be photographed. Um, even though there were other first ladies photographed, do you know what I mean? There were other first ladies photographed, mm-hmm. but she was so she was the fourth ish first lady, right? From the first lady of the fourth president. Okay, so she was the first chronologically first lady uh-huh. to be photographed. So many words so, in that sentence. Let me see if I can <laughs> say that a little differently. The three previous wives of presidents had not been photographed. Correct. Okay. So she was the first wife of the president to be photographed. Right. Okay. Chronologically. If you remove the word first from there, <laughs> it's a lot easier. Okay. Um. So... 
there also may like I found online that someone was like Dolly Madison brought ice cream to the White House. And that's not true at all, because there's a recipe from Thomas Jefferson's White House uh, for ice cream. So like probably not. Mm hmm. I bet it was gelato, though. I bet Dolly Madison brought in some good U.S. of A ice cream. Thomas Jefferson was like, I want some French and Italian stuff in here. And Dolly Madison was like, made in America. Here's some graters. <laughs> some graters from Here's Cincinnati, Here's some graters Ohio. ice cream. Okay. Um, so, like I said, she probably was kind of poor at the end of her life, although highly respected. Uh, she died at 81. And like, it's still dead today. It's still dead today. Uh, something about that's kind of sad to me. That she died? No, no, no. Oh, I mean, I knew that she would die. Everybody okay. does. What? <laughs> but that she really shaped kind of the way that that politics works. And she was known for being really like the quintessential hostess, not only in organizational terms, but also, it, like I said, she was very warm. She is reported to have had a great smile, that she always knew how to kind of diffuse a situation to make everybody feel comfortable. Like those parties were super awesome because of Dolly. Because she was such a great host. Because she was such a great host. And it makes it, it sounds to me like, even though she was the fourth first lady, that she was, what, wait, was Thomas Jefferson married when he entered off, oh God, I don't want to get in the math of it. She might be the third first lady, because Thomas Jefferson's wife, I think, had passed away before he became president. She was the th the fourth wife of she was the she fourth was the president's the wife four, okay there we go she was the fourth president's wife <laughs> um but i it sounds to me like she really started establishing she started what the first lady position is mm -hmm. which is both kind of the country's host right but also like shaping politics as the strong right hand you know kind of in or left hand of the president that idea of like cool you take care of of official stuff and i'm gonna take care of the social stuff and also um you know she sounds pretty cool um as far as that goes still as we've established not great as far as the slavery thing goes and the owning of people so i'm not gonna sit here and be like she sounds incredible a true hero 100 percent amazing no everybody as you look back through history not only even if there wasn't something as abhorrent and problematic in someone's history as slavery. I think the number one thing, the reason I like doing these biography episodes is to be reminded that these people were also very human. Exactly. Um, because I think it's easy. If you've ever seen like a rock in a tumbler, you know, they bounce around a lot and knocks off all the corners and the edges until eventually you get the smooth, shiny stone. And I think it's very easy for someone's legacy to become that the, the, the smooth, shiny stone I remember watching uh, Hamilton the first time and having a really hard time wrapping my head around the fact that he cheated on his wife. Like, that seemed like such a human, fallible, terrible thing for a person to do that it seemed incongruous with what I thought of as 
a founding father. Yeah, a lot of those a lot of those people get put up on pedestals, you know, and and like you said, the fact is they were people. They mm-hmm. were human. They made mistakes. Our country has made terrible mistakes. Um but we can still love it. Yeah, and we can still acknowledge that Don Madison did a lot of good stuff and was very influential to mm-hmm. both the politics of America and the office of the First Lady of America. United I need to keep saying United States of America. Because there's a whole lot of America, Canada, Mexico, <laughs> South America. Um, but she was very influential in that office. That said, she was not a shining perfect angel with a spotless record. Exactly. Um, she did do a lot of good works. She is credited, like I said, she started doing, um, she had public causes as well. One of those causes is she helped to form to found a home for young orphaned girls in Washington, D.C. She also is credited with um, probably not doing this, but the egg rolling contest for children on the lawn. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe not. But maybe. But maybe. Um, Another claim that is probably undocumented but would be really cool if that happened is that she convinced the president to permit francis scott key to war- to board the truce ship where he saw the battlement going on the you, ba- know. you know where the star spangled banner came from exactly yep. uh so although those may not be true i think that that goes that that goes with her kind of um Mythical. Mythical steez, you know, as far as her contribution. Yeah. All right. So that's Dolly Madison, uh, an interesting character. I'm so proud because we've already decided what next week's topic is going to be. We're getting better at this, you guys. Yeah, we thought about it way ahead of time. So um, in honor of mine and Teresa's fourth wedding anniversary, we are going to be talking about wedding anniversaries. Um, So if you have any questions about that. You can tweet at us at SchmannersCast, and I'll put out a tweet that's like looking for questions, so you can reply to that thread. That makes it a little In bit easier. In our ever-growing weddings segment. Yes, wedding anniversaries. So if you have questions about like presents, the history, and any of that stuff. Um, let's see, you can join our Facebook group. Well, it's not our Facebook group. We the are Facebook the group. The Facebook group. Uh, Schmanners Fanners. Um, you can check out all the other amazing shows on MaximumFun.org. I'm going to recommend, let's see, Reading Glasses and Wonderful. Wonderful is the new podcast from Griffin and Rachel um, that is replacing uh, Rose Buddies. Uh, highly recommend. Uh, Still Buffering, Jordan, Jesse, Go, Stop Podcasting Yourself. There's a ton on there. You're going to love them all. Um, th- I'm pretty sure you can find something you like. Uh, this Friday... Um, I'm going to be in New York City at the New York Comic Con. Um, me and my dad and Carrie Peach, uh, we are all working on the Adventure Zone graphic novel. We are going to be doing a panel about the Adventure Zone graphic novel moderated by Patrick Rothfuss that is going to be at the Hudson Mercantile at 10.30 on Friday. Um, so you should come see us there. Afterwards, we're going to be a, doing a ticketed signing uh, for the graphic novel. The first 75 people to show up to the panel are going to get tickets for the signing. So come do that. 
Um, let's see, Teresa, is there anything else? What else do we normally say here? We always thank Brent, Brent of Lost Black, for our theme music, and that is available as a ringtone where those are sold. We also like to thank Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter avatar. That is lovely. Please go check out her portfolio. And Keely Weiss Photography for uh, the banner in the Facebook group. Uh, I also want to say, and, you know, this is not normally the kind of thing we do here, but um, Puerto Rico was hit by um, some... Well, along with Hurricane Maria, a bunch of other hurricanes, they are in a bad shape now. And um, I did a story on trends like these where we talked about the amount of grassroots giving that's gone to Texas and Florida versus uh, Puerto Rico. And in my opinion, it's downright shameful um, when you compare the numbers of how much uh, we have donated as a country uh, to Texas and Florida and not to Puerto Rico. Um, our friend Le Manuel Miranda is working to raise money um, for Puerto Rico, and you can help. Um, you can go to bit.ly forward slash Schmanners PR, bit.ly forward slash S H M A N N E R S P R, um, and donate to help Puerto Rico rebuild and, and fix just so much stuff. Um, just a little bit of insight we covered on trends like these but there's some areas of puerto rico it is predicted will be without power for months possibly even a year um when the hurricane hit 97 percent of the country was left without power um the infrastructure was so damaged by the hurricane they're having a hard time getting food and water and everything in so even a, a buck or two a couple dollars all added together is really going to help so bit.ly forward slash schmanners pr and that's gonna do it for us thank you so much for listening join us again next week no rsvp required you've been listening to schmanners manners schmanners get it MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.